Mind Control? In this episode of The Phantom Jukebox, we continue our two-part coverage of the trial of Judas Priest versus James J. Vance. Diving into the courtroom, we go through the court case to hear the final verdict on allegations of subliminal messages meant to control the audience. And we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Phantom Jukebox. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I'm Joe Shannon. And we're two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. Uh, you can find our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of your major streaming platforms, uh, also Podbean and Good Pods. Um, if one of those streaming features has a rating service, if you could give us five stars, we'd really appreciate it. It really would help out the show immensely on the back end. It, it helps. It's, it's just like YouTube. If you think about it that way, it's, it's like, it, it feeds the algorithm. It shows that you like us, you really like us. And then it pushes us forward a little bit and that way it would help. I would, I would, I would very much appreciate it. And you can also talk to us and on Twitter at phantom jukebox underscore at Facebook, at Phantom Jukebox, Instagram, at Phantom Jukebox Podcast, TikTok, at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. Just come say hi. Just come say hi. We, we, it's just putting out the line, just as many ways you can say hi to us as possible. Exactly, exactly. We'll have more announcements later on in the show. But for now, we're going to get into part two of our coverage of the Judas Priest trial. Mm. And so last week, we learned about Judas Priest and little bit about their history and then we led we kind of walked our way up to this point and now we're going to actually get into the court case oh and just as a, a forewarning to everybody this does feature um there is suicide involved with this a little bit it gets kind of graphic mm -hmm. so graphic warning and um for anybody in a very dark head at a dark head space um uh if you need to you know talk to a crisis counselor um you know if you need that kind of help, um, you can text 741741 to connect to a counselor or the uh, SAMHSA's National Help Hotline, 1-800-662-4357. Uh, it's free. It's confidential. 24 hours a day, 365. If you need that kind of service, no shame in it. Just get the help. You're worth it. Yeah. Um, so that's just kind of a four. And you're just putting that out there because that element is, is a part of this episode. So, uh, anyway, um, so what we, do you, uh, do you want to do any kind of like recap of, you know, what your thoughts are so far on, uh, the situation and, um, I didn't, I, I still don't see how someone could think that anything played on the record backwards can somehow when the record is played forwards make you do anything yeah, let because, alone because you wouldn't be hearing it because you would have to play it backwards to actually yeah. hear the the message yeah i mean it's um especially how that could ever hold up in court i i don't think would have any actual substantial evidence on it well um 
interesting that you bring that up because one important note we wanted to include in this is that this isn't the first time lyrics being involved, like, you know, musical music and lyrics being involved with suicide is the first mm. type of the situation. Um, the legal protection of lyrics as free speech had already been put to trial with uh, Ozzy Osbourne, actually. Um, there was a trial accusing him of driving a fan to, well, he was accused of driving a fan to suicide with his song Suicide Solution close to the same time. Okay. So, but that's not because of subliminal messaging. No, because of lyrics. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's because it's close. We thought you know, there, there's some parallels yeah. here. But I mean, on Ozzy's case, you might have more of a substantial reason to think that, especially with the title of the song, than comparatively to. Right. So his trial was actually put, you know, what didn't, you know, go through, they like, didn't really go to court for that because his lyrics are protected under uh, First Amendment. Mm. So, uh, but that is, is kind of to show the difference of how, you know, because his, his court case never really went to court. Uh, and the reason Judas Priest did is because um, the uh, the lyrics themselves are protected under uh, the freedom of speech, but subliminals do not constitute that. Like mm. they don't fall under that category. Okay. So they're uh, yeah, subliminals are not protected under the First Amendment. You know, because that's just like the this lawyer we're going to learn about later. Wow, he's amazing, and amazing as in not not how you want to be described in amazing yeah. ways. Okay. Um, that that's the premise they're going on. Like that's how they actually got this to happen. Um, Judas Priest band manager, uh, Bill Kerb. Oh wow, uh, Bill Kerbishly. I apologize. Uh, said before the trial, I don't know what subliminals are, but I don't know. Uh, but I do know there's nothing like that in this music. If we were going to do that, I'd be saying buy seven copies, not telling a couple of screwed up kids to go kill themselves. Yeah, seriously. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's if, if a band was going to use any type of subliminal messaging, it would be buy our merch and then about be it. Like come to our shows, buy our merch. That's all the subliminal messaging we would try and put. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Like just from a, if you think about this for just two seconds, just, okay. Okay. So the people that are interested in this, the only ones that would listen to it enough to be affected by the subliminal messages are going to be told to, you know, you know, off themselves. Therefore, from a cold, harsh financial standpoint, you're just, you're culling your own audience. Like you're, you're wiping them out. So you're, you're I mean, making yourself poorer by this hypnosis. I, I don't have a marketing degree, but that doesn't sound like very good PR to me at all. Well, um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's a that's great. That's not term. how you sell records. I don't. What's how you sell like one record? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I also wanted to put what the stakes are uh, in this situation. Mm. So what happens if Judas Priest lose? So if the lawsuit was successful, it would force record companies to screen lyrics or face the possibility of having to pay uh, huge damages in similar cases. Wow. So, oh my gosh. So then we would get, um, as one of the guitarists in Judas Priest describes, it's like, it's like having a, uh, uh, big brother watching over you while you're being creative. And he's like, if you already have to worry about that, he's like, aren't you already kind of being, you know, stifled? Like, aren't you already kind of being told what to do if you have to worry about it off the bat? Yeah. That's. 
So that's what we're dealing Ugh. with. So we're dealing with kind of, uh, you know, people like, and of course, going back to our, uh, um, uh, almost called the Salem Witch Trials, the uh, Satanic Panic uh, series we did. Um, you you would have people like Tipper Gore being the ones screening these lyrics. So of course it wouldn't be you know it wouldn't be artistic type people that are really listening for it you know really going through it scanning for danger. It's just angry soccer moms and dads. Sorry, soccer or football, but um. Yeah, those kinds of people kind of like screening through your work and telling you whether or not you could put it out or not. Mm. That would suck. People already predisposed to not liking you. Because we will clearly see again that lawyer just gave just so many great little nuggets of quotes. Imagine um, like where the genre would be like any music would be if that if they didn't win. And if that happened like the Well, yeah. Is the amazingly horrible bland, censored music yeah, land world yeah. we live in um yeah no uh, it'd be terrible it'd be really boring and then uh it would be well, what kind of music would just be allowed nothing but christian contemporary <laughs> uh, creed is actually a subject i do want to cover one day <laughs> Speaking of that, Creed is a subject. Of, yeah. Creed is a subject I want to cover one day, mainly the hatred of Creed. Um, but yeah, it, it would be it would be like that or mm-hmm. just, uh, or bands like we're going to hear later. There's one really great metal sounding names to his stuff, but really, really lame music. It's it's a guy one of the moms really likes. It's a musician. He's a oh. he's a Christian musician. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll come to him later. I have yeah. a, I have a sample of his work. I can't wait oh, to get to it. Beautiful. <laughs> so, so uh, this is the Judas Priest guitarist uh, Glenn Tipton. Uh, he was talking about uh, this was said in August ninety. So this is uh, August nineteen ninety. So this is after the court case. But he's talking about it. Okay. It was almost five years later when we did we uh, we did a concert in Nevada that we were handed a writ claiming that our album Stained Class had been responsible for a double suicide and we were being sued for six point two million dollars. Wow! So like yeah, getting off stage or yeah, going to the show like yeah, man, you guys you play a great show, you hear blah blah blah, and then you get served right there. Jeez! What a mix of emotions! I yeah. Mm. I could you imagine like having? Could you imagine playing the show like you're getting you get that that those papers before you oh. go and play a show, and then you have to keep up that energy, knowing uh, even even if you aren't responsible, which I don't, I've never thought they were, but you know, you have that in the back of your mind, even for a little bit, like feeling guilty that you're involved with that in that entire situation. Yeah. And then you have to go play a show to a bunch of fans that are really happy to see you. Like what a mix of emotions you've got going on. Yeah. I really hope it was after the show. I mean, it would really suck to play a great show and then that have that happen. But uh, I don't expect the, the people I've never expected people that serve papers to really have a great sense of timing. Yeah. It's, it's never, I mean, I don't know what a, a good timing for that is after the but, show. Yeah. After the show. Yeah. But I, I, uh, you can't stop them. 
because they're they're a government messenger. I, I don't think there's any way you could stop them. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust that there was a great sense of timing on it, and I would totally suspect them having to go play it. But I, of course, I don't have. I don't know that for a fact. It's speculation, but I would. I would totally expect with how crazy this is, might as well throw that on top. Yeah. So let's learn about the plaintiffs. Okay. Uh, we have Vance and the Belkin, uh, or Belknap families. It's B E L L K N A P. Belknap, I think. Okay. Belknap. Yeah. yeah. One of those. Belknap. See, it's either Belknap or Belknap because it's K N. Belknap. Belknap. Well, uh, he. His fam Belnip's family. It's Belnip. Let's go with it. I apologize, everybody, for saying it wrong. It's one of those. That's what we got. Luckily, he's his family isn't like the main proprietor of the case. So we're probably not going to say that name a whole whole lot. Okay. Okay. So then, just say it differently every time. <laughs> Get all your bases covered. Belknap. Just throw the emphasis in weird thoughts. <laughs> So on July 16th, 1990, Judas Priest abandoned their studs and leather for business suits and arrived in court with their record label CBS to defend their case in a civil suit. The claim uh, that Judas Priest uh, embedded hidden subliminal messages in their song, in their one song in particular, Better By You, Better Than Me, from their Stained Class album. So there was two songs involved with this. There was the song uh, Beyond the Realms of Death, uh, which is a gorgeous song and not what people think it's about. Um, that is, it, they said is the song that made that uh, Jay and Ray uh, formed the blood pact, you know, the suicide pact. Okay. And then better by you, uh, better by you, better than me is uh, this is the song that the subliminals are actually on. Okay. So there's just, there's two yeah. songs involved with yeah. it, but in, in the actual court case, better by you, better than me is the song that they're putting to trial. Wow. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Both songs kind of follow under both of the categories we covered just a second ago. So one of them is, you know, the lyrics are protected by the freedom of speech, even though it's an anti-suicide song. Um, you know, it, it, it's that. And then you've got this one that's got some liberals on it. And that's why this one's going to court. Wow. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, so allegedly better by you better than me encouraged two young men to attempt suicide. The families of J Van, uh, James J Vance blamed the band and their lyrics for influencing the teenagers to form a blood pact and eventually attempt to take their own lives. So uh, also if uh, you, uh, we, we played uh, in our last episode uh, what a backwards, what backwards masking yeah, it's supposed to sound like. Do do you want to go through that again for a couple seconds? Sure, sure. So, this is what this is. So we've got better by you, better than me. But this is what it sounds. This is the song played backwards. Okay. And we're starting from the end of the song, so there's going to be this. So there was a fade out, so it's going to get louder as we go, because it's backwards. Oh yeah, yeah. A fade in. Not a lot of bands do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, November Rain. Okay. Well, that's the outro. Crazy sounding, right? Yeah. 
so weird. It's trippy. Yeah, it's trippy. I won't subject all of you to that. But imagine six weeks of having to go through that. Jeez. Quote unquote specialists did it. The band said they did it to go through stuff. They had they found their own examples of what they're hearing. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's bizarre, but it's it's it makes for a, an amazing episode. Did the parents like who who is actually the one that is trying to charge the band in that song? The parents. The parents. Uh, mainly the Vance family. So I mean, did after that terrible stuff happen Mm -hmm. did they just pick up this album and start listening to it backwards like how would so there was a so both songs made it um both both you know that's made the papers and stuff like that um james j you know jay and we're going to talk about it a little bit later you know he survived this and like left like you know he wrote letters Oh, detailing yeah. things that were going on yeah. and then we're going to learn about a you know quote unquote specialist that you know heard these things mm. so it started you know it started with the paper you know he, he wrote a letter saying these such songs were involved with this you know Jay wrote the letter saying these songs were involved yeah. with this and then it just spiraled from there and people just very boring angry people putting very, very you know putting quote unquote skills to the test to uh to get this band behind bars why though Uh, dude yeah it it just uh, just being predisposed to hating it they didn't like it and they're doing anything they can to get rid of it man so one of the things i wanted to talk about was the going back to being predisposed to not liking it the stereotypes that the plaintiff the plaintiff's lawyers brought with them to court are as such um, this is attorney Kenneth McKenna, and this is his, this is what he said during his opening arguments. So if you're a metal fan, uh, he's talking about you. Okay. Judas Priest and CBS pander this stuff to alienated teenagers. The members of the chess club, the math and science majors don't listen to this stuff. It's the dropouts, the drug and alcohol abusers. So our argument is you have a duty to be more cautious when you're dealing with the population susceptible to this stuff. Wow. Venom. Way to just call everyone who listens to it like deviants. I don't, I, I, I don't. He, I look, I, I, I really looked him up. I really tried to find out about as much as I could about this guy. Cause uh, when he got, when he got done, we we watched this documentary. Uh, me and Dakota doing research for this one. Uh, it was a re, it was a documentary called Dream Deceivers, which is not very good, mm. but it has a lot of good clips in it. It does not. The director goes in the beginning. There's this. He's wearing like a turtleneck. He's like he. You know how there's like the stereotype like Disney Nickelodeon TV show art professor. Yeah. Black black slim yeah, turtleneck. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Uh, it's this guy. Uh, it might not have been black, might have been blue, but he's just this guy. He's like, you know, when when we started making this documentary, uh, it was, you know, we really wanted to talk about the band, but when we were doing it, we we really wanted to portray the, the kids, the teenagers. We wanted to get their perspective. It does not show them in a good light, by the way. Wow, it does not. It gets them in all the worst angles. There's one guy in it that says he's, of course, he's wearing a. 
uh, a leather vest, no shirt, I believe, or it's at least like a tank top with like a low cut, mm. a leather vest, that, that shirt, like pants, these really over the top biker boots, uh, Axl Rose aviator glasses and like same mustache configuration. And he's just sitting on the couch, like smoking a cigarette and he's like skinny. Looks like he's, he looks like he's probably done drugs and he's just in this dirty house. Wow. Uh, but to his credit, he's like, I'm the reason I'm like this. It's not metal's fault. He's like, I made a bunch of bad decisions and now I'm here. <laughs> wow. At least he owns it. <laughs> he, really, he really did. He and stuck up for metal. And there's a, and there's another guy in it who, uh, who just looks like he's, he's about to go postal in the middle of the thing, but he, you know, they're all smoking cigarettes. And, uh, I just imagine just everything's dirty. There's beer cans. There's, there's dirty carpet. Yeah, it's a filthy little it's a filthy little house they're in. Of course, they film him like pulling guns out and stuff. I'm like, really? This is the perspective you want to show that you want to get their perspective. You want to put them in the best light and you're filming this him just randomly pointing a gun around. I would have loved for one of those kids to be like, so how do you like Judas Priest? And he goes, oh, I don't listen to Judas Priest. I listen to nothing but Christian contemporary. Yeah. And they're like, oh, oh turn, the, turn the camera off. Turn yes. the camera off. Oh, no, man. I listen to the uh, Disney Lion King soundtrack right now. Like, just like you know, when they stop people like when on the street. You know, yeah. what are you listening to? And just pull the headbuds up. Oh, Circle of Life. <laughs> you know, yeah. The movie version. I'm listening to the all Christian uh, boy band called For Him. For Him. What was the guy? It was like four loaves and two fishes. His name was like 42 or something like that. Oh, I don't even know. He had a Mountain Dew song. And I was like, that's what everybody wants to listen to. <laughs> not. <laughs> What's your favorite band? Oh, the Veggie Tales. Yeah. <laughs> Pull the earbuds out and very subtly here. Tomato. Goes back to practicing with a uh, butterfly knife. Butterfly knife. <laughs> 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 oh man that'd be great so yeah now this documentary i mean if you it's interesting because they have a lot of footage of in court which i think was probably pieced together from what he recorded from the news but at least it's all in one spot um but yeah it's it's not a great documentary but uh i did get some great clips of this guy ken mckenna and uh af- after the after the court case he, they have uh they have him outside. He's like, I, I, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. We're going to, I'm going <laughs> to, this is going to happen again. And I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll be there. <laughs> and basically he's like, I'm going to keep my eye on Judas priest. Wow. So, uh, I, I had to put this in my notes. I originally was going to cut this, but we have time. Uh, the Ken McKenna looks like a 12 year old borrowing his dad's business suit. <laughs> he's this tiny little guy. <laughs> Who's got this three inch tall hair, like, like leading to like, you know, it's not quite a flat top. It's like, it, it probably was a flat top in his younger years, mm. but now it's just kind of like rounded off. Like, like the pomp. It's not, it's not cool enough to be a pompadour, but it's like a pompa sad <laughs> pompa floor. <laughs> uh, it's wampador. It's a wampador. It nice. just, maybe it was flat at one point, but it just kind of curves off to this. He looks like a, it's just deflated uh, a background character in like Walker, Texas Ranger mm. who would get like hit with a truck or something, uh, you know, but uh, I looked him up. I tried to find, I tried to find out if he kept going, you know, 
if he did what he said he did. And from what I can tell, he never tried one of these cases again. Um, but uh, he from this is I don't know if this is a, I don't know if it's his. It's from Nevada. Mm. Uh, I believe that's where he's from. And uh, he had a one star Yelp review. And he has a his uh, Twitter had a lot of Steve Jobs quotes. So nice. Nice. From what I could find, he's not a very active person. If if those are his, I'm just saying one star review. That's what you know. <laughs> my opinion as well. So really, what I wanted to ask you real quick, uh, what are your thoughts? Like, what are your? Is it the musician's responsibility for what their fans do? From your perspective, Jay? um, I think we have. Especially as a metal band, we have kind of a a stigma around. I mean, obviously from this episode, the previous, and the uh, 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 Satanic Panic, we we have that stigma around us of being like, "Oh, you're listening to heavy metal. You're a a Satanist, and you're gonna do horrible things." Evil. I, I like showing li- like showing light on the other side of metal and that we can, yeah, we can be D and D nerds, but also we can just have like regular jobs and be normal people that listen to metal music. It's, it's not, doesn't dictate the rest of our life, but I like shining light on the, especially the people who are in heavy metal bands that are actually just really good, decent people. Some of the, uh, uh, some of the sweetest people I've met are yeah. metal bands, especially death metal bands. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, my guys in Clover, or Cuban metal, uh, Cuban death metal band. Oh. Uh, C-H-L-O-V-E-R, Clover. Uh, yeah, Mike, the lead singer. I don't know if he's still in the band now, but I won't, yeah, Mike was a, the whole band. Uh, like he would, Mike would be on stage, like amazing death growls amazing mm. death growls like clear tone and stuff and then he would get off stage hey guys what's up and he'd, he'd be the first one to hug you yeah uh, yeah everybody in that band uh was super so awesome. i i don't think that we have necessarily a uh responsibility on what our fans do i mean we obviously shouldn't include in our lyrics outrightly to like go into horrible things not a call to action for violence. Exactly. Exactly. That would be irresponsible, but I don't know if, I mean, going back to freedom of speech, I don't know. I mean, legally you're not held accountable for it. Yeah. But People I mean, like you, but I mean, going back to when we were on a uh, Latin jukebox, uh, my, my like all time favorite band Gojira has a lot of like call to action for the opposite. Yeah. Taking care of nature. Yeah. Taking care of nature, <laughs> taking care of your mental health, like yourself other people all of that in this in this death growl that he has underneath i I really like that form of expressionism in metal music because you don't see it very often no it's a unique standpoint and it's it's making making uh conservation metal it'd be a difficult task but i mean yeah uh gojir does it well if not the best yeah Uh, shout out to latin jukebox by the way it was fun that was fun. fun I love that episode. Um, but what? Are, real quick, just a little bit of an expansion on that. Yes. 
what about at a metal concert and you say open up the pit and someone gets like punched in the face um i do i do think i think it would be cool to have a uh non not like a vip where you have to pay extra for it but like a section in the front of the ga pit uh to where you can go that you don't really want to be included in the uh the moshing but that is kind of <laughs> like a smoking section yeah a smoking <laughs> section for metal <laughs> You know, you don't want to be included. You don't want fist thrown. <laughs> but uh, would that be moshing or non-moshing? <laughs> <laughs> you get a wristband if you want to go in the pit. Uh, Why moshing? Yes, please. Like basically like Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. Or just have the GA pit and then, you know, have two sections off to the side that are just for moshing. You know, there'll be bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going to wear uh, like those. Do you remember uh, pass out Kansas silly string? Do you, I actually, we had a set of these at my house. Do you remember like the inflatable, like boxing gloves? Yes. When you were a kid, I almost that called them would bop be it. funny. I almost called them bop it, but it's not bop it. It's uh, but they were like legit boxing gloves that inflated. Yeah. But hopefully you blew them up well enough. <laughs> 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 just straighten up punching your sibling in the face. I'm sorry. Connor. It pops midway through your fist. Just follows through my tooth. <laughs> I think at, at a certain point it's expected, you know, it, you might get a punch, you might get a kick, stuff like that. It's going to happen if you want to get into the mosh pit. I have seen where like big dudes up in the front will kind of form a wall around the pit to kind of keep, you know, people in people who don't want to be there out and kind of contain it a bit. Yeah. I will say of the shows I've been to the percentage of people that are just out there to like really wing somebody. That's a very, very small number. Uh, on the flip side of that though, I saw Slayer's last concert in Florida, which was in Orlando somewhere, I believe at the orange, orange, orange state or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> so we're there. We met up with, we, we actually ran into some friends of ours. Mm. Uh, it was Justin, Justin and Jordan that were there. Yeah. In uh, a band called Aurora, you should check them out. So then Slayer starts. Me and my brother don't even get this. The it's kind of like football stadium seating where you got like just the long metal benches yeah. that yeah. escalate up. Those are full. Uh, it's it's kind of rained before, so there's mud. And me and Connor are like on the side in this little herd of guys that were just standing there because there was no way to get to the front. Yeah. So we're missing a lot of like we have this really kind of weird perspective view of what's going on with the show, but then. There's a guy who literally gets dragged out. He can't walk because I think his ankles were broken. Oh, one of his geez. legs was one of his legs was definitely fucked up. He was bleeding. And as they were dragging him out, he's like, I need to finish the concert. Wow. It's their last show. Don't take me away. And they were taking him to the the medic, uh, the medic carts that could get him checked out. But he was pissed that they were dragging him away. <laughs> Jeez. I don't want to go. They haven't played Dead Skin Mask yet. <laughs> it was amazing. Jeez. I don't know. It's still, yeah. It, he still wasn't. Uh, he pro Yeah, it sucks. Your legs got broken. That really sucks. You was having a good time. <laughs> but yeah, he still didn't want to go. I mean, I definitely think there's a difference between like, open up the pit. You know, everyone form a wall. Like that kind of thing. Uh, then like uh, saying 
outright saying like fucking kill each other <laughs> like that's punch that punch that guy in the face yeah that's a little bit different yeah you know different. um yeah i i think i think you're right i i, I like the moshing or not moshing section that's a that's a shirt oh yeah um uh but uh yeah i think i i think as a fan if you uh in general, if, a, if you're going to a metal show, just kind of like, ah, well, I mean, you got to give the perspective of people that, that are just going to a metal show for the first time, too. I want to say just kind of go know what you're getting in for, but yeah, say that about everyone. I think, but ultimately, I think it's the people's responsibility. Yeah, I, I, a call to action would be very irresponsible, but I don't think that's like necessarily damning. Yeah. It's not good, but it, it ultimately is the people's they get to choose their own reaction to that. Exactly. So uh, now we're going to talk about the plaintiffs. So the boys were, so this is Jay and Ray. The boys were best friends who had similar lifestyles and upbringings. Uh, Their mothers never crossed paths until the incident, but there's a lot of things they had in common. Not the, I mean, the boys had in common. Yeah. Uh, And to be, to be on, on the side of fairness, because we're going to hear a lot about them. They didn't have the best start. They're like their, their household. They didn't have the best of household situations. Just to be clear. Okay. That isn't an, that isn't a card and an excuse, but it is something to be considered. Uh, but what they had in common is they both loved rock and roll, namely Judas priest kind of, kind of goes downhill from there. They both had hard childhoods. They both had violent histories. They both dropped out of school in 10th grade and both were known to partake in drugs and alcohol. Oh, in the, yeah. In, well, yeah. alcohol and the excess and then drugs, you know, in the drugs. Yeah, I, I think whether it's drugs and excess or just drugs at all. Yeah, it's, yeah there's, it's not really, there's not really excess drugs. There's just drugs. Yeah. But there, there's excess alcohol. Yeah, definitely. So now we're going to learn about Jay and Ray. We learned about Judas Priest in the first episode, but let's learn about Ray Belknip. Ah, actually, I think I might only have one L. Sure. Uh, Ray Belknip. Uh, he is the one who died instantly. So he's the first one to mm. uh, yes. shoot himself. And he was represented in court by his mother, Annetta Robertson. Robertson. Uh, Annetta said... Bearing my son at such an early age was an awful experience. Sometimes I still expect him, to, expect him to come walking through the door. It's difficult to accept that I will never see my boy again. Uh, his mother wasn't really involved with the case, um, at, at the very least not as much as Phyllis Vance, which is Jay's mom. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so... She did testify in the U.S. She did have some to do with it, though. She uh, uh, testified in court that she didn't remember even talking to her son, uh, Ray, about the British rock group. And uh, he never that he never had magazines, posters or books about the musicians in his room, though, under cross-examination by Bill Peterson, who was a CBS lawyer. So was on the defendant's side. Anita said that stained class was on the turntable in her home when. Uh, uh, Ray and Jay left to go shoot themselves. She said the side that was playing contained the songs Heroes End and uh, Heroes End and Saints in Hell. The song Better by You Better Than Me was on the other side of the record. Huh. So that doesn't, that's not good. 
if your whole case is built on anyway i guess the idea is they could have flipped the record over but she's you know one one thing is being said and she's testifying that it was another thing so that's not good yeah the plaintiff suit originally said that the subliminal message were on only on better by you better than me and it was uh and it and then progressed to hidden suicidal suggestions existing throughout the album so now it's throughout the album on the day of the suicide, uh, Robertson said she was called by the police at the time she, at the time she cleaned up, cleaned the room, flushing uh, marijuana down the toilet and dumping beer cans in the trash and testified that she didn't, uh, she did not know what happened at that point. She just wanted to protect her son. So she got called by the police and then just started cleaning the house. Oh, any contraband that she, cause he didn't, she didn't know he died yet. All she knows the police are calling me about my kid again. I don't want him to go back to jail. So I, you know, in her mind, she's being a good mom and then just getting rid of evidence. Yeah. So that's not good. Um, she acknowledged that she knew uh, he used drugs and she allowed him to drink beer in their home. Her philosophy was that uh, he was free to do what he wanted as long as he had a job. Oh, yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> Man. Wow. That's that's forgiving. Yeah. Raymond developed a, deta- a distaste for authority and hated school. He dropped out in the 10th grade, started working construction, and also got his hands on several weapons, including a sawed-off shotgun, pellet gun, a twenty-two rifle, and a dart gun. I wonder if sawed-off shotguns were still legal at that point. I've just kind of assumed they've always been illegal. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I suppose if it was a, a sh- I mean, if it was a, a short shotgun, they would call it a short barrel shotgun. Yeah. Instead the sawed of off a, doesn't imply good things. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can get a, a revolver that has a shotgun round. So what's really the difference? That is true. So, I mean, it's sawed off. But we were talking about that last week, too. Like, 410 is not a big round, though. Yeah. I'm sure they make uh, 12-gauge revolvers. If you hate your wrist. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. Because the judge, the tourist judge, uh, shoots the 410 rounds. Yeah. The cylinder is only big enough for five because it's just a thick. Yeah. It has to be made of such thick steel. Uh, But uh, even shooting a 410 with that. Uh, you feel it, so yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine shooting a twelve gauge. If you didn't think it was going to blow up in your hands, the wrist annihilator. It oh. just comes with an arm brace, <laughs> locked in position. Just kind of basically just attach a stock to the back of it. <laughs> There's an old German gun that did that actually. Yes, the holster turns into a stock. Yeah, the wooden. Yeah, like uh, the broom handle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And this has been Gun Talk with Ty and Joe. <laughs> Whole nother podcast. Whole nother podcast. Um, according to James' testimony, uh, Raymond drank alcohol, smoked marijuana, and experimented with amphetamines and cocaine. Oh. Experimentation here and there with amphetamines. Yep. Ray's mom uh, said, however, insisted that her son didn't have a drug problem. He paid room and board and helped out around the house and always took part in family activities such as fishing, swimming, backpacking, and so on. 
you know, you can have a drug problem and still be a, a fairly decent human. Quote, unquote, functional member of society. Yeah. Uh, she let him drink and do drugs as long as he was safe at home. So originally she said he didn't have a drug. You know, he wasn't doing any of that. And now she's well, testifying. No, she it. said that he didn't have a drug problem. Problem. Okay. Yeah. He could still do drugs. It just wasn't a problem until it was. Uh, Anita said that uh, when it came to making bad decisions, Ray did not know how to take the lead. He was always a follower and his best friend uh, in the world was James. So that's kind of putting it on James. Yeah. So it's not i I'm a bad mom. Uh, Cause I mean, in her mind, she's trying to keep him safe and stuff, but yeah, really to step in and to stop him from doing this would be better. Yeah, and a then lot saying, "Oh, he wasn't a leader; he was the follower." It's not a good answer because now you're kind of you're doing your best to def- deflect and put it on somebody else's responsibility. Which Phyllis, if that is one thing, Dream Deceiver maybe one of the better things it pointed out. Uh, Phyllis takes no responsibility. This is Jay's mom, the guy who survived. Mm. Phyllis takes like no responsibility for what happened. Wow, it is. The denial is kind of painful. Jeez. So, however, court case records show that in 1984, Raymond stole $450 from his employer and took a bus to Oklahoma to visit his birth father, uh, who had left when he was young. And he eventually turned himself in for, um, for the theft and was placed on probation. A week before his suicide, authorities reported an incident in which he was shooting darts at a neighbor's pet. I believe it was a cat. Oh. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't like cats, but come on. You're going to say that in Ghost is so close? <laughs> close your ears, baby boy. Well, it's not that I don't like cats. Look at him, he's, he's right there. I'm just a, such a bigger fan of dogs. Press your fat face and tell me you don't <laughs> like cats. He's got, he's got jowls, and they're just filled with love. You guys have a rare exception. Or, or, to to finding one of the good ones, he's practically a dog. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Our producer Ziggy is uh is eyeing him intently because she knows she's not the center of attention right now. How dare we? I think we're getting a pay cut. I think she's our 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 cult leader. Is she's furious? She's also on anti anxiety medication. Way, way to piss off the boss. Maybe she'll let it slip. She's she's on uh she's on uh dog weed right now. So. Maybe we'll get away with it. So now let's learn a little bit about James J. Vance. Ah, James. Uh, so he was twenty years old at in in this incident. Yes. Uh, James' biological father abandoned Phyllis when he was just seventeen. When she, when she was seventeen years old and pregnant with him. Uh, James was Phyllis's only child, and uh. <laughs> was then held back in school to repeat the first and second grades. When he was seven, he was sent to a therapist for a, tro- uh, a troubling incident that occurred in school. Uh, during class, he tied a belt around his forehead and ripped out handfuls of his own hair. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's not stable. A year later, he tried to choke out his own mother while she drove him home from school. While driving, that's risky. Class, here we go. It's Phyllis. First one. Uh, this is uh, his mom, Phyllis. My biggest problem with the school system 
was wow. that they would just they would say James behavioral problems came from home. No shit. Really? No shit. I mean, it's terrible that his his dad ran out, but I mean that would that would mess up anybody, but that needs to be addressed correctly. Exactly. Or delicately. Correctly is not the right word. Delicately is the better word. I mean, that'll mess anybody up. And it probably mess Phyllis up too. Because here we are, yeah. we're supposed to help take care of this kid and now you're gone. So now she's a single mom trying to take care of a very close minded single mom trying to take care of a kid. Yeah. Um, and I imagine, you know, she's frustrated all the time and I imagine that only helped him out. I'm sure. God. Yeah. She claimed that nobody acknowledged the fact that he had a learning disability until the sixth grade. And it was uh, mentioned in court that, uh, James's stepfather, Emmett Vance, uh, was a weekend alcoholic who had a severe gambling addiction. Uh, Phyllis also went through a period where she drank more than people thought was normal. <laughs> it's a very delicate. Wow. It's a very roundabout way to say I was a drunk. According to her, she gave up alcohol in 1973 and then uh, even testified that during James' uh, childhood, she repeatedly hit her son more than a normal spanking. Oh. Uh, from that documentary, so did his stepfather. Wow. So, I mean, I, I kind of, spanking's a touchy subject. Yeah. Uh, I have met the belt once or twice. Yeah. And I only really met it once or twice because I didn't want to meet it again. But uh, there is a point where you're going too far. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it it can get, it is a touchy subject, but I mean, there's, there, there's a, a line that once you, you cross from so just easy to cross. discipline to like straight up abuse. Right. And yeah, that's, that's once you've crossed it, you know it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there is, oof, I, I can't imagine looking at, I, I just can't imagine like looking at your kid once you like, let's say you did cross that line on accident and then just like knowing you did it, they know you did it. And then just like how much damage that would do to a relationship for how long. Yeah. That'd be heartbreaking as, a, as a, if I was a parent, that'd be, it'd be heartbreaking. I couldn't imagine it. Yeah. That's, I have a hard time enough yelling. I'm not, I'm not saying they're the same. I have a hard enough time yelling at my dog. I can't imagine doing it to a kid. Seriously. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying they're the same, by the way. I know like those back to back don't sound great. I don't, I'm not putting them next to each other. I'm just saying from my perspective, you know, I have difficulty enough with that as it is. I think what I would do if I was a parent, what I would do is, uh, it's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're going to get in trouble for this. Uh, say my son, daughter, whatever came, I found out that they did something pretty, pretty substantial to get a, a really good, uh, punishment. Right. Uh, I, w- I let them know that, yeah, they're going to get some punishment, but uh, just not do it right then. Like, wait. Oh, no, you're one of those dads. Well, one, I am I know that I'm not going to take it too far because I'm not doing it out of anger. You know, I'm not currently anger, angry at the situation. So I'm not like. You're giving yourself time to cool down? Yes. Ah, very good. But it's also more of a punishment because then it's just a surprise. I wouldn't say it's a surprise. I would say the anticipation is torture in itself. My dad's done that. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten that a couple times. Go to your room. Oh, and this is where I die. <laughs> when you're a kid, you just get told to go to your room. Uh, yeah, no, nah, 
Uh, it's awful. But then you, you get older and like, uh, I think it was like right in my, my senior year of high school. My mom, I got that, uh, you know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh dude. I was going to say my, oh, gra- like, oh, my grandmama, that's, I can't hear that from her. That will fuck me up. Yeah. Just, I'm not, I just, I've gotten it once, once. I was just being a brat at a toy store. It was totally me. I wasn't even a toy store. It was like a, action figure section of like a convenience store or something. I was being a brat about something. And then she, and oh, if you hear jingling, that's uh that's Ziggy. Al Bowles. Al Bowles. You can visit her on Ziggy Smalls.com. Uh, Ziggy Smalls on Instagram. Um, But yeah, I was in the, just being a brat in like a toy section. And then she just, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> and wow. Just, and just, oh, uh, I, I want to die. Did she have that like slightly Southern accent? My grandma. Yeah. She, yeah. she got a lot of Carolina. Mm. I'm disappointed. I, as I, even as like a little kid, just wanted to walk out into traffic. Yeah. No. no. I'm disappointed in you, baby. Oof. Oh. No. Oh, no. No, Grandma, you're supposed to be on my side every time. Every time. <laughs> and I know she would have just gotten it for me anyway. I was just being a little dick. Wow. Never happened. I, it's look, never happened again. It I, messed me up that bad. I literally got brought home by the police because I snuck out. Oh shit. Yeah. And they're, they're waiting for me at the entrance of our, like, yeah, it was like a block from my house and they took me from there to around the corner to my house and knocked on the door. And that was the, like my dad, of course, did the whole yelling over the top. But then when I finally got to my room, I had a knock. It was my mom and had the like disappointed in you conversation. I was like, Oh damn it. I can't, I can, your mom is such a sweet person. Yeah. I can't just her just like very, very like, she just has like a very like just sweet, friendly disposition. So just to, just to have her like not have that talking to you would just be yeah. shocking. Just I'm disappointed. It just <laughs> especially it was like no. not disappointed for like ma- the main like wrong that I've done. It was mainly disappointed that like uh that I could have gotten hurt while I was away. Uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. That's right. Oh, damn. You know, my favorite is like I I I didn't think that's right didn't think oh yeah, yeah i definitely <laughs> got that thinking. yeah i've definitely got that before woof so stepping oh. away from good parents back into this court- <laughs> <laughs> uh love my dad by the way just just saying this the the anticipation punishment is the worst <laughs> just get it over with uh but back to this uh she said eventually she sought help for her anger management in 1978 a school psychologist warned her that there was a high probability that James would respond violently to stressful situations. She was even warned in his teens, James would threaten her and uh, he would he threaten her with a hammer. Wow. Uh, he also aimed a loaded gun at her. Oh, upping the ante. Uh, it also uh, we wanted to say that uh, Raymond, uh, it wasn't just Raymond who experimented with drugs. James all, did all the same stuff. Heroin, uh, you know, the, uh, the gambit. Yeah. You know, the methamphetamine uh, and amphetamines and things like that. Uh, in the years preceding that night in December, James checked into rehab, went to Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous meetings and ran away from a home. Uh, a total of 13 times. 
I'm Adam Wainwright. And I'm Ed Kennard. And we're the hosts of The Greatest Song Ever Sung Poorly, the podcast that takes karaoke exactly as seriously as it should be taken. No interview was complete without our quick fire game, where we ask everyone the same five questions, culminating in the most important question we could ever ask. If you could magically strike one song from every karaoke playlist forever, which song would you choose? Don't stop believing. Oh, Ice Ice Baby. Great. Just because that song needs to be destroyed for all time. Easy Lover by Phil Collins. I think Picture. Picture is just a song of love and heartbreak. Uh, and it just, it ruins nights. I want to say Sweet Caroline. Probably My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Only one? Only one. Um, can I, can I pick one band? So hey, if you love karaoke, have sang karaoke, been in a place where karaoke was happening, or are vaguely aware that something called karaoke exists, come hang out with us. All episodes and info are available at sungpoorly.com. And remember that singing off key is still technically singing. know if i could keep welcoming the person back in my home you know obviously i don't have any kids right so i don't know what that type of uh love is like i guess but uh, aimed a loaded gun ran away from home 13 times the running away from home i could i mean it was stressful i'd hate it i could forgive it but uh the pointing a gun at you yeah mm. that's like i am more concerned about my safety now like maybe we should well, that's if I was the dad and they pointed the gun at the missus. Oh, I, um, come damn near close to disowning a kid. Yeah, that's. Uh, I could almost forgive it if it was me. Uh, I probably would forgive it if it was me, but not uh, not in anybody else, especially especially not the missus. Yeah, no, no. But in Phyllis's eyes, the heavy metal music was to blame. Uh, heavy metal music changed his personality, she said. When James uh, started listening to Judas Priest, he lost all respect for authority. <laughs> Only then did he lose his respect for oh, authority. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, both James' parents believed music destroyed their son. Wow. She also said that her son would quote lyrics just as if they were scriptures. I remember her saying that in the documentary. On several occasions, uh, she threw James' music away because he was too moody, uh, moody and violent when listening to heavy metal. I can see how maybe someone that is already in a bad headspace and a little mentally unstable is already that way, already has that type of like agitated personality. How if you put some heavy metal on, you're probably not going to get the best outcome. No, no, but he was predisposed to being like, I mean, metal music is a release. Like it's definitely, like yeah. you listen to it and you want to headbang to it. It's, it's, it does have that effect of like letting, uh, like usually like angry, intense emotions out. But yeah, yeah, you're right though. It, if it kind of accentuates what's already there. So if you're already predisposed to be yeah. a violent person, it's going to bring out those and you're just going to, I imagine they liked it because it's kind of feeding bad things that are already there. I guess. Yeah, it is kind of like when I used to paint, I would listen to heavy metal and like metal soundtrack. And it just, it literally just made whatever I was doing that much more intense painting that wall with a roller, just getting it done at 
twice the speed, half of the accuracy, you know, but so yeah, if someone is already in like a bad mood, bad state of being, you throw in some heavy metal and it's just going to amplify, I think whatever you're doing. Yeah. So I, I could see that side of it maybe, but you already have to be in that. Like, yeah, I want to hurt you're somebody. Not, like he's not normal. Like yeah. he's not, uh, he's not in a good headspace to begin with. So again, I don't, I don't put that on metal. Never will. Yeah. Uh, Anetta agreed and mentioned, so this is Ray's mom coming back, agreed and mentioned that in her case, the, in their case had finally brought a public attention to the issue of heavy metal music. Bands are beginning to be censored and I'm happy about it. She explained, I think the record industry is going to be more careful from now on. So, oh. Tipper Gore is in action Ugh. at this point. Like she, she's actually Gross. probably she's a couple years into it by this point, so she's not quite dying out. I think it died out later on the nineties, really. Uh, like her movement, like she's not really a big part of it anymore. Yeah, but it's still going pretty strong. That's such a gross personality. Yeah, it's very, very intolerant to just yeah other shit other people like just tastes or something something that can be so personal that's just like something you can enjoy personally and then they don't like the fact that you enjoy it personally or the fact that it just exists in the first place ridiculous having such a violent reaction to something that small like you know not that small but like i said it's not political it's just a thing you enjoy yeah entertainment being that violent over entertainment my god well, I will say that uh, in the interview, we got to learn a little bit about Phyllis and uh, music that she likes. Oh. Are you familiar with a Christian singer-songwriter named Barry Maguire? No. This song has a metal-as-hell title, right? Really? Considering, like, Revelation's kind of theming here, it's something of something. I'll give you that much. I think I know what it is. What's it? What is it? What do you think the title of this song is? If it... Has to do with Revelation. Sounds metal. It's not quite Revelations. It's yeah. Revel it's it's we could destroy ourselves. Is it like a fire? No. Oh, okay. But it's it's even more metal. Really? Yes. What? Dial it up a little bit more. Uh, you like thrash metal? Think like death metal. Uh, of is in the middle. Of it's something of something. Uh, death of sinners. <laughs> <laughs> it's just running through Phyllis's head nonstop. No, this is Barry Maguire's Eve of Destruction. Wow. Sounds like a mega death song. Just a little sample of this is the kind of music Phyllis would have 24 7. In the documentary, like they thought she's like, they said that this is the music she preferred. It was an article, sorry, not the documentary. Wow. The Eastern world. Exploding, violence flaring, bullets Uh, what's this pseudo Bruce Springsteen bullshit? Santa's gonna bring you a new saxophone. Yeah, it's like Bruce Springsteen had to rewrite one by Metallica. 
It's Dollar General. Uh, <laughs> it's Dollar General for Springsteen. It's Hank Springsteen. God. Get those lighters out, people. Boy. God, that is horrible. So that's a that's a that's a perfect musical world in Phyllis's ears. See, I don't like that at all. It sounds like but shit. I am not going to try and uh, Yo, Phyllis, take this it music away. Is killing people. I'm not going to try and like take it away from the world so that people like that can't listen to it. You know, <laughs> I'm just not going to listen to it myself. The Crusades killed more people than metal music ever could. Yeah, ever. Uh, that's pretty true. Ever could. <laughs> Yeah, so let's keep that. And you know, Phyllis and uh, Annette are kind of forgetting their history a little bit, mm. and that's active. That is actively killing people. That is not suggesting that all those people. Yeah, no. The that's holding the sword. It's <laughs> literally, literally, uh, wiping out people for shit they didn't like. I would love to do a medieval like photo shoot with the band. That'd be cool. That'd, That'd be, be awesome. But I want to make it look like Monty Python. Okay, so at the Renaissance Fair, let's do it. Renaissance Fair. Um, so both mo- both mothers held extended interviews defending their motive, defending their motives, um, and what they believed was their son's honor. So they went, they basically full on against Judas Priest. Just so passing the blame. Yes, that is basically all I heard the whole time. Yeah. So we're gonna go over the defense. Uh, Judas Priest lawyers dug their teeth into the boy's unfortunate upbringing and criminal records. All that stuff we went through, the being arrested, running away, doing drugs. There is just there's the CBS lawyer cannot remember her name. Had this like really intense shoulder padded like pantsuit situation going on, mm. and she is just up there going like, "Your sons had these problems, didn't they? Didn't they?" And Phyllis is doing everything she can to be like. I don't like what you're saying. She's like, but these are things you said. You said that he did this. Did he not do these things? So that wow. She's, I guess they do like the um, deposition or something like that. And then she's making her saying it out loud in court. So, the, so this, now this is the, the jury hearing it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, she is just, she, uh, no, that CBS lawyer had no mercy. She was not there to fucking play. I'm kind of surprised it took six weeks. Jeez. Uh, yeah, she went through everything. She, man, I really don't know. I mean, I don't want to say they don't. I think this is a stupid court case and they should have. Losing their children is awful. I'm not yeah. saying there's, there's nothing to really other. And there's nothing else to say about that. It's it's truly an awful thing that happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, saying it was Judah Priest's fault is passing the blame, like you said. And it's not doing them any good. No, and if they wanted to preserve their son's honor at all, uh, this wasn't the way to do it because this lawyer dug everything up. Everything. Yeah. The reason we know what we have on this list is because these are the sh- this is the shit she just grocery listed. Wow. She's like hitting, you know, attacked a neighbor's animal with a dart gun. The jury loves that fucking shit. <laughs> Pointed a gun at you, ran uh, away from home, stole money from an employer, can't hold a job, did drugs. All of these things crazy. before they even bought the Judas Priest album that was on the wrong side that you said it was on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. 
Oh, that's intense. It's intense. It was, I remember a quote from, I don't remember which member of Juice Priest. It was one of the guitar players, I believe. Uh, I believe it was the guy who spoke earlier. <laughs> he was like, I'd be terrified if I had things to hide. They dig up everything. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they document it. And he's just, he's like, holy shit. I'm glad I got nothing for them to find. Yeah. Glad I'm a pretty clean cut guy. But, I mean, considering. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, man, it'd be terrible if he were guilty. It's like, they just, hey, it's like everything's on a closing line, a clothesline. Everything's out there for that, that, that jury to hear. Of shit you'd never want people to know. They found out about her drinking problem her abusive stepfather or his wow. abusive stepfather. Ooh, man, this is bad. It's, it's, I really thought that from the way they spoke that it was just going to go one way mm. and they were just going to just shame Judas priest the whole time. That is not how it went. Yeah. If anything, the guys in Judas priest were very professional and they, they didn't, their personal lives aren't on trial. It's their music and stuff. So that's what they went through, but they never, they never went through Rob Halford's like history yeah, and dug that up and then put that out to display. Cause there's nothing to display. Well, with Rob Halford's case, he was being gay in the eighties and also being a metal icon that it yeah. hadn't, he hadn't completely come out yet either. Um, I, th- I think he did. He wasn't, he wasn't as open as he got to become about it, obviously, but he's, yeah. uh, they didn't, that even, that, that never even came up. That would have been a big deal in the nineties in Texas, you know? Yeah, I could see that. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, he would, he would really open up with it, open up about that later. But in, in the time of the court case that I, you would think that would have been something, a a, a Nevada lawyer might've in the nineties, mind you, yeah, might've wanted to bring up. So, you know, as a deviant, maybe, I don't know, but, uh, glad that's glad that's old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that's yeah. old news. Yay, progress. Uh, So lawyers for the band of CBS Records presented testimony from the album's sound engineer and producer that there were no phrases such as do it hidden in the song. So basically, do it was the message. It wasn't uh, wasn't as elaborate as go to a nearby park, take a shotgun, put it to chin. You know, it wasn't as descriptive of that. It was just, just do it. Is what but they were hearing. That also means even if even if it was intentionally put in there to say do it, that's also Nike's logo. Like it doesn't mean <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. So it's whatever you have inside your head at the time that you're like, Oh, I think I might want to go get Taco Bell. And then it's just do it. Do it. So it's whatever is already in the forefront of your mind at the time. That's the problem. If do it is the message. Yeah. So that's not even do what? Yeah, exactly. Their specialist was saying that it was like amplifying an intensity too. So it was like, do it, do it, do it, do it. Like it was, it was getting more and more intense as it went on. Oh, like a song does. No, 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 no. Oh, but it'd be backwards. No, he's saying it's like, it's not just like do it, do it the whole time. It's the fact that like each, each time it's quote unquote said, it gets more intense. Yeah. Do it, do it, do it. Uh, he, he acts it out too. It's really cringy. Um, they listened to the song forwards and backwards, and I'm sure they would have listened to it sideways if it was possible. Yeah. 
uh, Rob Halford had to even take the stand and sing the parts to the song. So here is a clip of actually Rob Halford having to sing in court. Oh, nice. Better by you, better than me. You can say what I only can see. Thank you. It, the yeah is the exhalation of breath. Yes. Uh, is that a normal part of your singing? That's the way I've, I've always sung. That's just my style. Is there some uh, effect uh, that that uh, uh, has for the uh, aesthetic of the song? Um, it's just uh, the words performed, you know, the emotion involved and the feeling that you give out when you're singing it. Are there subliminal duets on the Better By You, Better Than Me song? Absolutely not. So that's him just, wow. so they're talking, so that was his own, that was the CBS lawyer, you know, drilling him for that. Well, not drilling him, but she's, she's wanting to get this over with. So she, that's him, because uh, they cross-examine. Yeah. Um, that's her own lawyer asking him, you know, she asked him to do it. So when he did the yuh, she's like, why are you doing that? And he's like, that's just how I sing. That whole clip. He's just, I, I you know, it's uh, the equivalent to uh, James Hetfield's. Yeah. 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 That, that. Imagine if they had to uh, go through it <laughs> disturbed with that. Well, he only did that once. Well, he still does in other songs. Bah, bah. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that'd be a little uh, tough to explain. Where did you come up with that? You know, what was the reasoning behind? Why? Why? What emotion does that evoke? Does, are you saying do it? <laughs> I wonder what his answer would be. You know, I was just really down with his sickness. Apparently, it was just a spur of the moment while practicing. He just made that noise. And they're like, dude, that was cool. Do it again. Here we are like 20 years later. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Halford recalled uh, this incident. It tore us up emotionally hearing someone say to the judge and cameras that this is a band that creates music that kills young people. We accept that some people don't like heavy metal but we can't let them convince us that it's a negative that's negative and destructive. Heavy metal is a friend that gives people great pleasure and enjoyment and helps them through the hard times. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it biz- bizarre, like having, making him having to sing live, I thought was really kind of, I mean, she made him do it, but him having to, it was just, it's just crazy. The judge is watching this like, what, what shit show am I a part of? I, I think that was the point as well. Yeah. Is to be like, see how stupid this is. Yeah. It's like, you want this to be a, a like carnival. Like this is just utterly utteral nonsense. Yeah. No, it was just ridiculous. Um, I remember like not even their expert. That was the one finding this was even like an audio engineer. Like he, that was his like hobby was being like an audio tech or something like that. Wow. And that's, this is the guy claiming like the, the guy they cite to be like, do it, do it, do it. And they found him out to be like, you know, he's, he's a fucking liar. Wow. He wasn't even like his job wasn't even close. I don't want to say, cause I'm, I don't, I, uh, I didn't get that information, but, uh, or remember, but it's, it's, it's not even close to yeah being an audio engineer that like specialized it. The guy that they're in their engineer that recorded the album when they asked him that said, no, it's not has all the authority when it comes to audio stuff. Yeah. He's the guy that you would trust for that. 
I guess they thought he was biased, but I mean, he's just like, you can listen to it. It's not there. He would be the guy that would help engineer that literally. Wow. So, so the verdict, uh, it's kind of like a, it's kind of it, overall it's good. Oh, well, not as good as this really could be. Yeah. So basically the judge decided that subliminals did not cause the boy's suicide attempt. Uh, so there, but the uh, CBS was fined several, uh, several thousand dollars for delaying getting masters of the recordings. Remember we were talking about masters. Yeah. Uh, last episode. So they didn't want like a digital copy. They wanted the masters. That's that they, stupid. the, you know, what the other things are copied from and they needed to put that together and CBS delayed. Uh, they basically had to pay several thousand dollars to the families for, for um, the expensive like delays that those expensive accumulated as a result of like, yeah. So basically they had to refund the family for dragging their ass. And that was, that was a very like, what the fuck CBS? Come on. But also it's like, I, I couldn't take this seriously, you know? So it's, it's also kind of like they were just like, why would I rush for this court case? Like, this is nonsense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so kind of, so just to wrap up uh, what happened with the families, of course, uh, Onetta, you know, tried to stay out of this as much as possible. I mean, she was a part of it, but not as active as Phyllis. Um, I believe she wound up losing another one of her children uh, to wow. uh, suicide, which is terrible. Um, in 1988, uh, Jay slipped into an unexplained coma and passed away six days later. Uh, Vance's attorney, uh, Timothy Post, said that he has a strong, strong hunch that a drug overdose is what sent his client into a coma. Mm -hmm. uh, but he said he was not getting any answers in the hospital. And I have looked it up, and there's just nothing on it. I tried to, like, get an answer to that because I, I found out that he did, that uh, Jay Vance did die. Wow. Uh, but they, I... It's it's that they just say they think it's a drug overdose and they won't go from there. So, uh, final talking points. Um, Halford would say that uh, the case wasn't about subliminals and when it was more, it was more politicizing than that. He said that there was there was an agenda there was an agenda to fight this band. They didn't like our music. They didn't like our lyrics, the way we looked, and they just didn't like our fans. They hated us, man. So it was, yeah, it was that. It was just yeah. the, the best case they could by people that didn't like that kind of music that wanted to get rid of it as the best way they could. And this is, this is their best route they found at the time. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine that it probably was easier to cope with that family losing their son to immediately just want to shift blame, you know? Yeah. It's not a healthy way to cope, but I imagine that, yeah, that not trying to excuse her actions and, and them for doing that, but yeah, it's just a hard situation all around. I mean, you, you, you can feel bad for the family that they lost uh, their sons and family members, but at the same time, it's not metal's fault, you know? No, it's not. It's so. I mean, it's the easy, I don't want to say bad. It's, it's not the best parenting and not the yeah. best way to like, so just bad situations that happen and like the worst responses to those problems. Exactly. 
So that kind of wraps up our uh, our two parter on the trial of Judas Priest. I mean, Judas Priest has been going on for several years. I think they crossed their fiftieth anniversary, fifty years. Rocking, jeez. Oh, I'm still going strong. I know the one of the guitar players had like a heart problem that he, he's, I think he had like a heart attack on stage, but he's okay now. Yeah. So glad to see they're just still doing strong. Um, any closing thoughts? Anything? Uh, we we had a lot of uh, the blame games. These past four episodes have been yeah on like the blame game and metal being just an easy scapegoat because it's just a lot. It's something some people don't understand. Yeah, uh, at least at that time, I'm, I'm glad to say it's it's less that now, a lot less that now. But uh, yeah, just what are your thoughts? Oh man, uh, I do like Judas Priest. Uh, don't think that they uh tried to get anyone to do anything uh no especially with subliminal messaging that you have to play backwards to get it but you were still listening to it forwards and uh, yeah it's a it's a lot but uh i think uh maybe if it's to get people to buy shirts then uh we should start doing some subliminal <laughs> messaging because technically it's not illegal subliminal yeah. messaging is yeah. not they do it all i think i really do think they do it all the time with just advertisements and it just Starbucks, all everything. Well, uh, I should TV say it and, wasn't illegal. I'd have to check on that now because they say it's. Well, they say those subliminal messages were not protected by the First Amendment, so does that necessarily mean that it is illegal? It's not protected by the mm. First Amendment. I don't know. Little gray area there. I don't know if it's worth it. I, I what I would rather do is have like a, a song, on like the last song of an album, be like. I don't know if the song ends at three minutes, 30, just pick that number three minutes, 30. And then, but it's actually like six minutes long, but you have to get through like a minute of silence to get to like a bonus track or like, a hidden okay. Thing. Yeah. I much prefer those. Okay. Or yeah. like a hidden 11th track or don't even hide it. Just have like a, before a breakdown, we just say buy our merch and go into just, it. You just have a song called buy our merch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not above it. I'm not above it. I don't, uh, I, I think you were alluding to it earlier metal. Like it really needs, it, it just needs to not take itself too seriously. Yeah. Just learn to laugh a little bit more. I think that could definitely be introduced into the metal genre a bit more. Uh, bands like Mastodon. I love them. Like they don't, they make, they're a Grammy award winning band. I mean, whatever Grammys mean nowadays, but yeah, I don't even know the fact that like, those people gave them a Grammy is what's significant, not the Grammy itself. Yeah. But they don't take themselves too seriously. They're like, they, you know, they joke and goof around and stuff, but their music is just undeniably good. Yeah. So it's well, I mean, if you like Mastodon, but I say they're amazing. I say, I say, and with that, that's, that will wrap up that two parter. Noise, noise. Uh, now I'd like to get in. Thank you everybody for joining us on that. I want to kind of quickly go through our announcements real quick, just to keep this episode tight. Uh, just a reminder, we have, we're running down to our last couple episodes. I believe we have three or four left after this before our season break. Ooh. Uh, our last, uh, regular episode is going to be in Halloween. Not sure if we're gonna have anything after that, but we'll see. Uh, but, uh, the Halloween time right before then will yes. be our last episode. So we should have, I think it's three left. Um, uh, maybe four. 
but uh, yeah, so we're going to take a break from the, you know, November, see if I'm in December. I don't know. Uh, and then come back at the beginning of next year for season two. Uh, our season one finale will be on October or October 24th will be our season season one finale. Okay. Okay. We are quickly approaching 2000 downloads. Like we're like 10 to 15 away. Damn. Uh, I want to say thank you everybody for listening in. And uh, Dakota is actually making a special bonus episode or putting one together for us that we're going to do when we hit 2k. Uh, she, so she needs your help on it. She needs you to send her your favorite Phantom jukebox moment and why it's your favorite. And, uh, and uh, we'll mm. actually, we'll go back and relive this past year. Okay. Uh, on our, two, on our uh, 2k special. So you can find her on Twitter, uh, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> at Dakota underscore rights underscore, or you can email us at phantom jukebox pod at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you put in some, in the subject line, Ty don't read in like caps. So that, cause we share that email. Uh, so I don't read it. Cause I'm going to walk into the episode blind. I'm not going to, I'm not going to know the moments. Nice. Just your own. Uh, I'm going to have my favorites and you'll yeah. have your favorites, yeah. but we're not going to know each other's and Dakota. We're not going to know. We're not going to know all of them. We're going to know our, Quick selections. Yes. Uh, real quick, I'm going to do some shout outs. Uh, Florida Men on Florida Man. It's an amazing podcast. <laughs> at uh, So it's at FMOFM podcast on Twitter. And they're crazy but true stories from the Sunshine State. They go from Florida's insane headlines and focus on the state's history. So check them out. They're really funny. Uh, and then we have the ladies night podcast, which is at ladies, uh, at ladies night pod three on Twitter. And they are a, uh, our lady friends from designated quizzers, happy hour podcast. And what I had heard was talk about lady nonsense, lady nonsense. Oh, they're gagglings. Um, so Lisa, Jen and Tabby, uh, don't work hard enough on their main shows. So they put it all in front of this new project. <laughs> Um, so as if they don't work hard enough on their own shows, they put all the love uh, into this new project and uh, it too deserves your support. All those shows are great. Yes. Uh, we were on what I had heard was not so long ago mm. talking about our what the fuck at work moments. Oh, good times. Good times. Uh, lastly, our jukebox jams, the brainchild of our sorceress of social media, Dakota. Yes. Uh, it'll feature uh, an episode. We should have like four out now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we, they basically will feature the episode on Spotify and music related to the topic directly or was around that. Oh. So the Satanic Panic will be about the Filthy 15. Yes. Uh, and so it'll be the, the 50, <laughs> Filthy 15, which will be a bizarre playlist. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that wraps us up. Uh, do you want to do the do the closing socials? Yes, and you can also find us on Twitter at Phantom Jukebox underscore, at Facebook at Phantom Jukebox, Instagram at Phantom Jukebox Podcast, and TikTok at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. Also, thank you to Kenny Grooms for the amazing intro music uh, the that audio we have. Wizardry, which, if we want to do what we want to do at Halloween, we got to get on that soon. Yes, that is true, but. So, until next time. Well, I wanted to thank a few more people. Oh. So thank you, Kenny. <laughs> thank you, Dakota, for your amazing work. And then thank you, Joe, for being here. <laughs>
Oh, man. Thank you, Ty, for letting me be here <laughs> across from you at this dining table. Yes. In the kitchen slash living room <laughs> slash common area. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, it was a blast doing the research for this. Uh, really excited uh, for the episodes coming up and especially the Halloween show. Mm. It is. It's as crazy as I wanted it to be. I was doing some more. I did just a little bit of uh, research ahead of time. Ah. Can't wait. Yes. So that's it for me, everyone. And that is it for me. Until next time.